We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he banked it in. He banked it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Razor catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao. Puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks oh. Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits. This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. You can find me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA, and my co-host, Michael Fachi, is at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Ooh, man, I would advise everybody, please do not log on to Pacers Facebook, but if you're looking for something a little bit less gloom, Pacers Twitter, it's getting very cloudy, and it's getting cloudy quick, Alex. Fachi, we have 77 games left on the schedule. Is it too early to panic with this Pacers team? I, I would love to tell you absolutely not. It, it, this is this is way too early in the season. But, man, Alex, it, it's, it started before the season, but it, it's happening again. Injuries are creeping in. They really are. And so last night we saw Malcolm Brogdon leave the game, did not return with a hamstring injury. He has already been ruled out for our game Friday night against the Brooklyn Nets. Isaiah Jackson towards the end of the fourth quarter, bang knees with DeMontis Sabonis. Nothing was really said today besides Rick Carlisle, besides he would be out for a while. So Fachi, two significant losses here. Obviously, Isaiah Jackson's injury seems to be more of a long-term thing. He wasn't really in the rotation, so it doesn't impact the season as much this year. But losing Brogdon really hurts his Pacers team. It really does, and I don't know why I felt like everything was safe and good. Like. Brogdon always has these minor injuries, and I hope this one is minor. But I just felt like my guard was down. You know, five games in, I felt like, hey, you know, things are going right. Karis LeVert's coming back. Like, 
let's even if we lose this game, sure, sure, whatever. Levert's coming back, and then Brogdon goes down, and Brogdon he truly was cooking. Brogdon was basically the only real bright spot about yesterday's game. Seeing him go down, not return, a hamstring, a very an injury that can linger for a while. So I don't know the timetable other than what we know is that he he's not playing against Brooklyn on Friday. So it, it was a big loss because Brogdon is someone that I mentioned he's had injuries before. The Pacers just extended Brogdon for two more years. And you hope that at one point can the injuries stop, but we've asked ourselves, maybe certain guys are injury prone and Brogdon tends to be one of those guys. Well, there's a reason we talked about it so much during training camp, who's going to be the third string point guard because mm -hmm. we know Brogdon's injury prone. So I think this is why you saw the Pacers go out and look for a guy like Brad Wanamaker. And he played last night a little bit, but he played quite a bit with TJ McConnell. So he wasn't really in his natural role as a point guard, I guess you could say for this Pacers team, but he did play off ball quite a bit. So I would assume that TJ McConnell gets to start here with Brogdon out, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went with Wanamaker. The only reason I would consider Wanamaker starting with the starting five and in place of Malcolm Brogdon, if Karis LeVert's not back, what would basically just because he can shoot the three ball. And I think that the Pacers need to learn how to spread the floor a little bit better. The way they're utilizing DeMontis Sabonis with this offense, if you don't have shooters out there, it's going to be a long night, especially after you saw the Raptors completely triple team him at points, double teaming, always just waiting there for him, not giving him any space. I mean, the guy only had four shot attempts in last night's game against the Raptors. So Fachi, one of those things where I'm sitting here trying to figure out how you go about doing this Wanamaker clearly is not better than McConnell when they're both playing at their best, but Wanamaker provides something that McConnell does not. And that is shooting. Yeah, no, it definitely is like Brad Wanamaker seems like a very capable three point shooter. I still cringe when I see McConnell put up a three. I do. It's not his game. I don't think it's going to become his game. The form, it, it, it freaks me out a little bit. I like vintage TJ McConnell. And that's more just kind of running around, getting that around that eight-foot floater to eight-foot, you know, fade away, like the, all those. Um, and we haven't really been able to see vintage McConnell yet, but I could see Brad Wanamaker in the starting lineup because, look, the bench has already been bad enough. It has. You, you take McConnell off the bench, you put him in the starting lineup, I mean, the, the bench is probably only going to get worse. So I, I feel like that's a move I could see the Pacers, you know, doing. This is a time where, look, I'm, I'm not, like, smashing the emergency glass and saying it's Brad Wanamaker time. But I'm happy that, you know, it's not Kiefer Sykes who's going to be entering the starting lineup at this point. Right. Well, I mean, I, I mean, T.J. McConnell will probably start. I think that's what's going to happen. He has been effective in the starting lineup at times when he's gotten the start. Well, he's not been effective really all year. I think oh, last yeah, night sure. might have been one of his better games, but he's not been the T.J. McConnell that we know and love because we saw what he did last year. I mean, it was in a contract year, so maybe there was something to that, but it's just I feel like this is the way Car Carlisle's offense is utilizing uh, T.J. McConnell the wrong way. Yes. But it's one of those things, too, where Carlisle is still trying to figure out what he likes and what he doesn't like, and – there has been absolutely no rotational system that makes any sense with this group right now because one night it's Tory Craig off the bench first, the next night it's Jeremy Lamb, then the next night it's O'Shea Brissett, then it's T.J. McConnell, then Goga's playing, you know, and then and Tory Craig's not, and then O'Shea's playing and, and Tory Craig's not. So it's like there's no consistency with that unit. They're trying to find something that works. It's clearly not been good all season long. It's just one of those things where I don't know what they can do to really change things up. Maybe you throw Justin Holiday back into that second unit and start somebody else. 
Maybe Tory Craig start him. Maybe start O'Shea Bursett. I don't know what they're going to do. But what I can say, Fachi, is that that second unit has no chemistry. And I think that's been a big problem with this team going into uh, the first five games. Absolutely. There, there's nothing going on with that second unit at all. The Pacers are, are kind of falling off a cliff when that second unit is getting substantial play. I mean, last night, just like you mentioned, experimenting, it's evident. I mean, Tory Craig's minutes, we mentioned uh, the last episode, the one before, they've gone down every single game. Well, if this wasn't a blowout, Alex, he was on pace to not even get in yesterday. He played the full fourth quarter, but a guy like Tory not getting in through the first three quarters, I, I thought was just totally like, whoa, has it been just by game five? This man's lost his spot, but he ends up getting in there. Goga was another guy where coming off of what was a you know encouraging performance, Goga didn't play. There was two until two minutes left in the game and Turner wasn't in foul trouble. So there's still so much going on over there between Turner not even playing in the fourth quarter yet again to, you know, they're mixing and matching, but they can't find anything that seems to work right now. I'm up for Justin moving to the second unit because I, I don't think that he's, I mean, I know he's still kind of hurt, but he has not been, you know, really effective. Hasn't really been substantial uh, at all at any point this year. So there's guys that we're still waiting on, but Justin Holiday moving to the second unit. I, I do like the idea of moving Toy Craig up because Alex, OG, I feel like was kind of like the exact player why you signed Toy Craig. Yeah, because those type of players kill the Pacers, and I would have loved to have seen Tory Craig guard OG, but he absolutely cooked the Pacers. Had 16 points in the first half, finishes with 25. I mean, man, I feel like that was a time to play Tory Craig early on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've talked about Jeremy Lamb and his defense, but it's like Carlisle sitting here going to Jeremy Lamb to guard OG and Anobi. Ends up putting O'Shea on him later, but why not try Tory Craig? Like that's what you brought him in here for. I thought the same thing with them going at Giannis. Like, look, I get he's not as tall as Giannis, but he's physical, he's quicker on his feet than any of the centers that we had on him. So I'm not really sure, but I will say this, Fachi, the last year and a half or whatever it's been, basically since Nate Bjorkman was hired, it's not even been really a full year at, at the most since that, was, since that hiring. So really in the last year, watching this Pacers team, the one thing that we're really missing right now is somebody that had been here for 20 years before he left this team, and that was Dan Burke. I'm not trying to sit here and freak out about him not being on the roster or not on the coaching staff, but Dan Burke was a defensive-minded coach that really told you like it was if it wasn't going well, but he figured out ways to make this Pacers team overachieve. Look at the guys that he made good defenders, like Bojan Bogdanovich at times became a good defender. I mean, there's been countless times throughout the Pacers' you know, history in the last 20 years since he was on the coaching staff where he made players better. He raised their level because of the schemes they ran. So I think really, if you think about it, defensively, that's been one of the biggest problems and not having Dan Burke, I think, is the catapult of that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, look, we knew losing Dan Burke a few years ago was going to be like, uh, oh man, you know, this is uh, this is going to be tough. But we didn't think the Pacers defense was actually going to just disappear. I mean, this was a unit that, for over the last few years, I mean, it was a mainstay in the top 10, but at numerous times was number one. I mean, we that was our identity. We were a defensive team. And you can keep games a bit uglier, and the Pacers were able to grind out wins. Now they just look ugly, and, and it, it's, it's tough. It really is. Last night, it was so evident that Toronto was that much more physical than us. They had a lot of length. They, they forced 22 Pacer turnovers. Alex, that led to 31 points. 
I, I mean, it, it was it was a big difference. And in this game, one of the biggest eye openers, Toronto had 21 more shots than the Pacers. Oh yeah. I mean, that is a massive. You stand no chance at winning any game like that. I know the Pacers lost the rebounding battle for the first time this year, even though it was just by one. But out of the 12 loose balls, Toronto got nine of them. I mean, they out-hustled the Pacers, period. 18 steals. <laughs> yeah, 18 steals, Flatchy. That's a problem. And I posted a clip today because I was watching some of the game from last night, and there was a clip where O'Shea Brissett gets a really nice rebound in traffic. Brad Wanamaker, he sees right in front of him, goes to throw a pass to him, and right behind him, is uh, Mikhailuk, and he steals the ball, goes up, gets a layup, knocks O'Shea on the floor, <laughs> and just like completely just shows you what's been going wrong with this team. It's the careless passes. We talked about that with Miles Turner on the last episode. Some of those passes that he's made that have turned turnovers for touchdowns is what I like to call them. It's where you turn the ball over, the other team gets it, and they score a basket. There's too many times where I've seen that this season already in five games. This, this team just is kind of careless with the basketball. They're not athletic. We saw that in this game last night. Toronto's athleticism is off the charts compared to yes, the Pacers. very much. And it's one of the problems about this Pacers team. They're not athletic. So we can sit here and talk about what they could have done last night differently, whatever. But they've struggled with teams that have athletic players on their roster because we have really no athletic players. I mean, they're skilled players. They're good players. Isaiah Jackson's probably your most athletic, but he's not really in the rotation right now. And with the injury, he's going to be out for a while. So they've got to get a they've got to do a better job of finding guys that are more athletes and not just these skilled players. And I get why fans are frustrated because I'm not panicking right now because it's only five games. And I'm I'm trusting that Carlisle can figure it out or they can find different matchups that work. But I still think that there's a validation for fans who are frustrated with this same roster because it, it, it's just frustrating to see the same flaws with this team exposed over and over and over again. Fans have every right to be frustrated. I can't sit here and say that everybody's overreacting, but it's at the point where someone tweeted at me today and said that Bjorken wasn't the problem. And it's like, oh my God, we're getting to that point. Like, are we going to get to the point where people start to say, maybe we were wrong about Bjorken? No. Like, look, we were right on that to move on. But when you mention athleticism, Isaiah Jackson must have jumped. It looked like it was 20 feet in the air to swat a lob that Fred Van Vliet tried to throw. And we have no other player who is doing that. And now he's gone. So that's tough. We saw him score his first NBA basket, you know, four rebounds in 10 minutes. It looked like something that we could positively build on. So, you know, th that's rough to lose that type of athleticism. Um, but where the Pacers get even thinner. I mean, we got so close to getting Levert back. Four fifths of the starters were going to be together. And now Brogdon goes down. And now I feel like the worst part is I feel like the Pacers were playing it, taking it easy with Levert. You know, kind of he said, Levert said that he'd be ready to go. He, he felt that Pacers are playing safe. Well, now you know what? I think like we need to speed that timeline up a bit because the Pacers can't be without Levert, Warren, and Brogdon. And then also, you know, guys like Isaiah Jackson's out, Keelan Martin's out. You know, it, it's it's like a third of your roster. Yeah, and, and you know, your team's – Got depth, I guess you could say, when fully healthy, but you can't ever count on this team to be healthy. So no. I don't really – I don't trust our depth, if that makes sense. I, I like some of the guys that we have, but we're playing guys that really should be in that back five of your 15, and yes. they're playing significant minutes right now. And fans are like, why are we losing these games? You know, if you think about it, 
they probably should have won that Charlotte game to start the yes, season off. They should have. They had a really good chance of beating the Wizards. So if things are turned around, you could be three and two at this point. And this loss does not sting as much as it might have, you know, but but it does because now you're one and four. And you've only won one game and it took you to overtime to do it against the Miami Heat team who they can be hot or cold shooting wise, but they're still a really defensive minded team. And it, it just, it was a home opener. There's a lot of things that we can say here, Fachi, but I was talking to our friend Jake Elrod on Twitter today, a little bit about this game last night, and he brought up some really good stuff that I wanted to share just talking about they've got to make some kind of change because it, it feels like this roster is just kind of complacent and there's something missing with this core group of guys because they've been together the majority of them for the last three seasons. And I said, they need someone that the, the, the Pacers front office needs to find somebody to ruffle the feathers a little bit. Of this dog. They do. They need someone to come in here and ruffle the feathers. Tory Craig, not that guy. O'Shea Brissett, not that guy. Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, they're rookies. They're not going to do that right now. They need somebody that can come in here and say, hey, let's change it up. They're banking on Carlisle for that, but I think that it's got to be somebody that actually plays in the game. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not even saying that it has to be, you know, just one player. It could be two or three guys. Like, I'm not saying that Patrick Beverly is an effective basketball player. He's hit or miss, right? He's a backup point guard for a reason. But he's somebody that would come in here and bring a level of toughness that this team does not have. And I think that these are all guys that like each other. They really enjoy playing with one another, but they don't push each other, in my opinion, to be better. Jeremiah Johnson was on the radio today with JMV. He said, I've been at these practices, and I felt like I saw them competing harder in practice than they did in that Raptors game last night. That, to me, is telling, Fachi. That, to me, is very telling. It really is, honestly. And when you mentioned Patrick Beverly, Patrick, look, I'm not going to give Patrick Beverly all the credit for why the Timberwolves are three and one this year, but he instantly came over there and they said he changed that locker room. He got guys to buy into defense. The other day, I felt like he just, just to send a message, he picked a fight with Valanciunas, a guy who was like <laughs> a, a full foot bigger than him, basically. And that was like, that was just that chippiness that the Pacers lack. They're a roster full of good to great guys like hey you know that that's a that's a great guy over there like couldn't say a bad thing about him well you know what we need one of those type of additions that like when pj tucker came over to the bucks last year he yeah. brought that dogness where it got everybody to up their game defensively and, Chris and Paul. I really, exactly those are the ty- type of moves that change the whole locker room the pictures don't have that right now like their veteran no offense is, is justin holiday it is and, and he's a really good guy but i don't think that he's someone that raises everybody's intensity to the next level. And that's what they're lacking right now. So they do need that. And I watched Fred Van Vliet break the spirits of the Pacers yesterday on numerous (laughs) plays. He hit two basically buzzer beating, you know, end end of the quarter threes. And he he put a move on McConnell where where it just seemed like the Pacers' heads just immediately went down. And like you mentioned, it kind of took the the wind out of them. And they, not to say quit, but they knew they weren't coming back. And and it was evident. Yeah, I mean, Fred Van Vliet, God, you know how much I love that guy. So I know you do. I've been trying to make up fake trades to get him here for the past couple of years. It's not going to happen. But I love Van Vliet. OG Ananobi could have been a Pacer. That's another thing that kind of stings a little bit every time you play against the Raptors and he has one of those games. But you know, Fudge, I, I mean, I just got to go back to that point I was just talking about. And, and you know, you talked about P.J. Tucker. I threw in Chris Paul there, dogs that can change it. But, like, they have to figure something out because it's like, 
I, I enjoy that the guys like playing with one another. I enjoy that this is a great group of guys. But when's the last time you heard, well, we have super nice guys and we won a championship? Never. Never. And I'm not, I'm not even saying, like, this has to be a championship-level team. Like, we know the goal for this team this season is to win a playoff series. That's it. That yeah. is the goal. So five games into it, I'm not going to overreact and say, we're not going to win a playoff series, you know, but give me till about game 20 and we're still looking like we're looking now. Then I'm going to start saying, you're right. We're not going to win a playoff series. We're going to be lucky to make the play in game. So that's where I'm just like, I'm not going to overreact, but I do know that the reason I was so frustrated, and I'm sure you were too, that we kind of ran it back with the same group. We tried to stay yep. optimistic because when you're pessimistic, it's not fun for the listener, but Trying to be optimistic about this team because we thought Carlisle could really just flip the switch. But three coaches now, the on-off numbers for DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner, them playing on the court together has continued to be a negative. You just cannot win basketball games in today's NBA with two centers being some of your best players. That's not a knock on either of those guys. But I think that it shows that this is a wing-dominant league, and the Pacers a lot of times don't have the better wing on the court. And so they've got to figure out a way to go out there and get a player that can really change things on the wing. You might hope that Chris Duarte can be that. I'm not sure right now if that's who he is going to end up being, but you can't, you cannot bank on Warren being healthy and Lavert, while he might eventually continue to grow as a player, there's still that injury bug with him too. So I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking out loud. I want to see some changes to this roster because like many fans, if there's not changes made, then the most will ever be is a quote unquote Kevin Pritchard tough out. Oh man, that, that's saying it always it always stings me. But yeah, I know the Pacers this year, they're minus five with Sabonis and Miles on the court. They're plus 16 with just Sabonis on the court, and they're minus 26 with Sabonis off and Miles on. Look, it, it, five games, it's not a big enough sample size. Yeah, it's too not. small. So it's way too small. Um, but it, it's just they've tried to stagger their minutes this year, and I feel like this is their last resort before they, they do try and make a move. Look, I, I don't want to get to that point yet. I know we're still trying to get this starting five together, but I, I am starting to lose faith in that T.J. Warren is going to be able to become a guy who is healthy for anything close to 82 games in the season because you can't rush him back at this point going into a contract year. And, Alex, the only thing worse than running it back this year could be – signing Warren to a big deal and running it back then at that point. We need to see something. So there's a lot of questions that need to be answered for this team right now. The one thing that I wish wouldn't be true was that in every game that we've played this year, uh, a, a team has been missing one of their core players. And we, I know we are too, but Charlotte was missing Terry Rozier. Okay, we lost. Uh, Washington was missing Bradley Beal and Ruby Hachimura. We lost. Miami was missing Kyle Lowry. We won. Uh, the Bucks were missing Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Dante DiVincenzo, Bobby Portis. We lost. <laughs> and then recently against Toronto, Pascal Siakam was out. Uh, so it, it, it's rough out there, man. I mean, we should have an extra win or two because those other teams, they're missing really good players too. Yeah, I mean, I guess it goes to show you that injuries aren't just something that happens to the Pacers. Exactly. It's, it's a thing that happens around the league, and I know we like to make jokes like, oh, we're the most cursed franchise. Well, we're cursed because we've traded and acquired guys that have injury history. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast, so not going to rehammer that issue. But 
I do think that it's fair to say, Fachi, that this is a Pacers team that if they are healthy, you are pretty excited about them. But you can't ever bank on it. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, you know, Tyler Smith, our friend, put out a great tweet. He was like, how many how many games does our projected starting five play together? I put a, a, a gift reply back and wrote zero. <laughs> just like I, I can't envision it. And I'm not trying to be a pessimist. It's just like I literally cannot envision it because – Every time you think something is about to go right for this team, something goes wrong. And it's not a coaching problem, in my opinion, in in terms of this roster buildup. It's just the makeup of the roster by the front office. They've done a good job of trying to get guys in here that they feel can maximize their talent here and they can get them on the cheap and, you know, really good guys overall. But like I said, like I'm going back to my point because I just feel so strong about it. It's like, I don't care how nice of a guy you are. You got to win basketball games. And this team did it two years ago with Nate McMillan and the players and the fans ran Nate McMillan out of town. They and did. so we got to move on from Nate and I get it. Nate had flaws to himself, but look at what he did with this team. He was really good for this team. And I feel like Nate McMillan was underappreciated. And, and you go to Nate Bjorkren, everybody cries about how bad of a coach he is. And, you know, I agree. He wasn't a good coach. And then you bring Carlisle and everyone's excited. Five games in, they're freaking out about him too. So just relax, people. Like, I I know it's frustrating, but it's five games in. We've got a lot of injuries to our players. If you want to be mad at anybody, get frustrated at the players for not stepping up their game. And number two, at the front office for continuing to run it back. Yeah, I mean, look, you're right. There's still 77 games left, plus, you know, the, the, the playing game, which is pretty much – where we envision the Pacers in that seven to 10 range. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a long season, but we, we definitely need to see a bit more out of this group uh, right now. I mean, last night it, it was tough. I felt like that was an actual, just Toronto, they were tough was the word. I saw them run over McConnell on a screen. Really just, I, I was happy that he was all right. I mean, they really beat us up and Alex, I don't want to play in Toronto anymore. I don't, uh, the Pacers haven't won in the regular season in Toronto since 2013 to 2014, and we've unfortunately had some freak injuries there. So Oladipo getting hurt, um, you know, obviously Brogdon got hurt. There was a, there was another one I'm blanking on right now. I know you tweeted it out. I mean, what, Jeremy I mean, Lamb got Jeremy, hurt. Jeremy Lamb tearing his ACL. I mean, that was terrible. So I mean, what they did to Sabonis, just to put it in perspective, Sabonis finished the game with three of four point, uh, three of four shooting for. Nine points. He scored six of the first seven points in the game and then had three – I think it was three free throws after that. So, I mean, it, it, w- it was really tough to see the Pacers uh, have Sabonis just out of the game and then no one else be able to step up. That might have been a game where maybe you thought he had ten assists. Nope, three assists. No one was making any shots. So, it, it was rough. I don't know what they're going to do other than kind of just hope that they can figure it out internally because – I don't see them. They're not going to be able to get great trade value if you try and trade injured guys. So it's not like they have any other options here, but to just get better internally. Yeah. I love when we get questions like <laughs> what would the Pacers get for TJ Warren and Jeremy Lane? Exactly. It's like, well, uh, how about Kevin Love's contract? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, yeah, literally. I mean, you're not going to get anything of value. So just, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not trying to be negative, but like, it's just, the value's not there for Warren. He's an expiring contract. He's not healthy. Jeremy Lamb's in an expiring contract. He doesn't play any defense whatsoever. 
I mean, literally zero defense. I can't believe how many times I've watched him play on the defensive side of the ball where he just looks like he could care less. He can put up 12 points, 15 points a game, but, you know, defensively, he has got to get better. I, I was watching some of the highlights with that 2-3 zone that Carlisle was running, having Lamb get down there. It's just like he's in la-la land. OG Ananobi goes right by him for the offensive rebound, puts it back up. It's like there's just got to be – there's got to be something that wakes him up. I mean, we've seen him – he's just kind of so nonchalant all the time, it feels like, except when he's got the ball in his hands. like, dude, you got to wake up and start playing defense. I mean – that's what's going to get this team better. And what kills me is Carlisle always talks about the defense, yet for three straight fourth quarters now, no Miles Turner whatsoever. And that is your defensive rim protector. And I get why he didn't play in the last two games, but it made, you know, it made zero sense to me why not to play him in this game a little bit. Just see what you got with him next to Isaiah Jackson and that grip right there instead of playing Sabonis, who Toronto was having their way with. This game, it was surprising to not see Miles in the fourth. Look, the other ones, I understand this one was starting to – it was becoming a theme of, like, well, why isn't he playing in the fourth quarter at all? And certain people could say, well, the game's out of reach. But then why was Sabonis playing deep until there was four or five minutes left after Brogdon had gotten hurt? I mean, that was yeah. something that I thought was, like, you got to get Sabonis out of there. I mean, I, I didn't want to be the guy that starts to think – is he stat chasing because he's having a rough game, only has nine points? But it didn't make sense for him to be out there. I was thinking to myself the whole time, get Goga out there. Like, Alex, what do you think when Goga showed some stuff, I thought, last game, and then almost didn't get in? And then to take it one step further, his fourth-year option, the, the, the deadline on that is Monday. Yeah, that, I mean – you were you were thinking that Gogo was going to get playing time going forward after that game against the Bucks, and I'm like, I don't buy it. I don't see it. Because, Eight minutes, maybe. You know, uh, it's just they want he wants to stagger Domas and Miles. It's clear that that's kind of what yes. he envisions doing. So Gogo is going to be out of the rotation, in my opinion, as long as they can both stay out of foul trouble. He's only going to play if there's foul trouble for either one of them, one of those guys. But the only reason I could think that Domas was out there is because he's the only offensive connector that we really have. So maybe they were trying to like, hey, let's leave Domas out there and maybe get some offense going just to get guys like Wanamaker some shots, Craig some shots, Isaiah Jackson some action. Like, let's let's leave Sabonis out there because really, without Brogdon, you don't have a lot of offensive connectors. So I, I, I can see why they didn't play Turner over that, but it's still just like, come on. Like, you're trying to want this guy to buy into his role but if I was a starting player that had been with the franchise for seven years and I was making $18 million a year and I'm watching every fourth quarter from the bench and I'm a starter, I'm going to be pretty upset. Yes, no doubt about it because, I mean, this is now the third straight game that he hasn't seen the fourth quarter. Um, and I think at this point you, you start to you start to get rubbed wrong. I mean, he, he didn't even have a foul in this game. So at that point, it's, it's becoming a little puzzling. Just 23 minutes for Turner. Um, man, I, I just felt like, I don't know. I, I was so rooting at the end to see something out of like, okay, go, go, let's go build on this. You didn't get out there. I know I, I mentioned that before, but with Turner out there, it was a weird game. I mean, yeah. it really was. It, it felt like going into the fourth quarter, there was something in there. I know the Pacers ended up cutting down at 10. It felt like there was really just no, no chance there at all. And I, I wanted to see some of the younger guys a bit more. I mean, I guess Brad Wanamaker is not a young guy by any means, but getting 20 minutes out of Brad, was something that you had to have with Brogdon going down. But other than that, I mean, 
it, it was this was a beatdown. This this yeah. game was not close. It, it was not. And Brooklyn coming in. I mean, we're playing Brooklyn on Friday. I I, I think that one. I, I don't have that much optimism either here. Yeah, I mean, here's what I'll say. Carlisle can do all that he can to try to help this team win games. But if he didn't have the talent on the floor to do it, then they're not going to win games. So, you know, Chris Duarte, love him as a player, as a rookie. After that first game, we've seen that his numbers have kind of deflated a little bit. Let's not be rude, but let's be honest. Yep. A lot of shots. Points are less than the shot attempts most of the time. You know, putting up 15 shots, scoring 14 points. Like, it's not bad. He's, he's playing okay. He's a rookie. I mean, I'm not expecting him to put up 27 on efficient shooting every night, but the Pacers are going to really need him to step up. So this is an opportunity for him to say, hey, I got to go out there and I got to be a difference maker. And we know he's not afraid to shoot the ball. So that's a good thing. Hopefully he can get hot going up against James Harden, that group with the, uh, with the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant as well. I'll be interested to see who they put on Kevin Durant to start the game. Yeah, me too. Me and, I'll too. Be, and I'll be interested to see how they start the game if they don't make significant changes to that starting lineup, because I could see a way where maybe they put one of the bigs on the bench this game and start Torrey Craig just for the Durant thing. I mean, I could see it if you're really open to changing things up. If you're not open to changing things up and continuing to run it with the double bigs, then maybe uh, pull one of them out quicker, like around the nine-minute mark instead of like the six-minute mark, right? So that's the only thing I could see. But it's like, you can put on him, Turner. Turner can't guard him. Justin Holiday, he can't guard him. Sabonis, Lord help us know. So it's like... The best option you had was probably Isaiah Jackson or Torrey Craig. So if Karis LeVert comes back, he's not tall enough. So it's just it's going to be a nightmare matchup. You just got to make sure that while Durant might go off, you got to stop everybody else from getting off in tomorrow night's game. That would be my only little game preview thing I would say. But that's one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to because I just have no idea who they're going to put on him. I have to see Torrey Craig guarding Durant more than just a possession or two. I have to. Otherwise, I'm starting to wonder – why you signed this man so quickly. And look, Brooklyn is not a team that's on fire. Kyrie Irving is going to be out. Nicholas Claxton might be out. This is a team that's two and three. They lost to Milwaukee by 23 points on opening night. Um, then they lost to Charlotte, 111 to 95. I watched so that's that gotta game. Be, that's got to be a little encouraging. The Pacers played Charlotte much better. And then Brooklyn just lost 106 to 93 to Miami, who the Pacers beat. So look, I want to say that this is a winnable game. It's uh, possible. Oh, come uh, on. So you know I'm starting to sell myself. You know come I am, on. all right? No, look, <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to go into that and sell myself that we can win this game, but at least Kyrie Irving's not playing. He has killed the Pacers before. <laughs> they still have James Harden and Kevin Durant to worry about, so uh, it's a tall task. If Karis LeVert does not play, I do not see a way that the Pacers win this game. It's going to be very difficult. Uh, someone's got to get in foul trouble or an injury happens for the for the Nets. That's the only way I could see it happening. But, um, well, that wraps up our show today, Fachi. No commercial breaks today, just straight talk all the way through. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. But where can the people find us at on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. And you can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And don't forget to follow us or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice rating and review if you're listening to this part of the pod right now. And you haven't done that already, it really helps us out. So at 102 ratings, would love to see that number continue to rise. But if you don't have the time, I completely understand. But Fachi, if you are excited 
I guess I don't know what to be excited about, but if you're excited <laughs> to see the Pacers back in action Friday night against the Nets, say these two words. Let's go Pacers! Oh, we got some smothered chicken on that one! Smothered chicken!